Support for this show is brought to you by Instill. Our friends at Instill really understand what it means to build and manage relationships in a holistic and human-first way. The platform's advanced UX design and real-time analytics, smooth donor management to make it easy for you to connect every supporter to the impact of your work. To learn more, head on over to www.instill.io backslash Mallory. People who really love their job, who have high levels of intrinsic motivation based on our research, are more likely to consider that love for work as a moral virtue. And what they do is they will actually evaluate their colleagues based on the reasons those colleagues are working and try to help their colleagues with higher levels of intrinsic motivation more compared to those with lower levels of intrinsic motivation. Hey, my name is Mallory, and I'm obsessed with helping leaders in the nonprofit space raise money and run their organizations differently. What the Fundraising is a space for real and raw conversations to both challenge and inspire you. Not too long ago, I was in your shoes, uncomfortable with fundraising and unsure of my place in this sector. It wasn't until I started to listen to other experts outside of the fundraising space that I was able to shift my mindset and ultimately shift the way I show up as a leader. This podcast is my way of blending professional and personal development so we as a collective inside the nonprofit sector can feel good about the work we are doing. Join me every week as I interview some of the brightest minds in the personal and professional development space to help you fundamentally change the way you lead and fundraise. I hope you enjoy this episode, so let's dive in. Welcome, everyone. I am so excited to be here today with Mijang Kwan. Mijang, welcome to What the Fundraising. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Let's start with you just telling everyone a little bit about yourself. I am so excited to dive into your research and your work and how it applies to fundraisers, but let's give folks a little background around you and what brings you to our conversation today. Sure. My name is Mijong Kwan, and I am an assistant professor at the University of Colorado, Denver. I research a lot about human motivation, work motivation, and I focus on intrinsic motivation. So the definition of intrinsic motivation is that you are working because you are getting some sort of satisfaction coming from your own work. So you really enjoy it, or there are some interesting learning opportunities, growth opportunities, or challenges that you have at work. And the difference between previous research on intrinsic motivation and my research is that I am more interested in how we look at each other's motivation and potentially evaluate each other's based on the reasons that others are working rather than how to increase this person's motivation or decrease it. So in my recent paper with my colleagues, we found uh, something very interesting we called the moralization of intrinsic motivation. People who really love their job, who have high levels of intrinsic motivation based on our research, are more likely to consider that love for work as a moral virtue. And what they do is they will actually evaluate their colleagues 
based on the reasons those colleagues are working and try to help their colleagues with higher levels of intrinsic motivation more compared to those with lower levels of intrinsic motivation. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think it's probably already very obvious to people why I'm so excited to talk to you because there are so many potential implications of this for the nonprofit sector. And I want to talk about I want to start actually by talking about what I consider to be some of the like passion exploitation in nonprofits. So, you know, in the nonprofit sector, passion drives so many fundraisers, right? Understandably. But I'm wondering how that perception that the work itself should be the reward actually might be impacting fundraisers in really negative ways where where it comes to like the impact on their salary negotiations or expectations in their fundraising and what impact this might be having on the ultimate recruitment and retention of fundraisers. So I'm curious about your thoughts there. Sure. This is a really interesting topic, the relationship between intrinsic motivation, passion, calling and potential exploitation. So there is a recent paper where the authors coined the term passion exploitation, which is a really uh, familiar term in my home country, actually. So what they found was that people with very strong passion were more likely to work for less money. And at the same time, other people also expected these passionate people to work for less because they thought that, you know, working itself would be reward for these people. So what does this suggest um, also when we think about our findings on the moralization of intrinsic motivation? This is really interesting because people have a natural tendency to discount others' intrinsic motivation and inflate others' extrinsic motivation to work for money, fame, some external reasons. This is because when we think about why others are doing something, this is going back to the basic attribution theory. We are trying to find the reasons as either internal or external. In the work setting, it is so obvious that people are getting paid, right? So there is a really strong external cue there. So people are more likely to naturally think that people are working for those external reasons rather than something invisible like love or work. So what's really interesting here, though, is if you do not show your passion or your intrinsic motivation at work, people's natural tendency is to discount it. And for some people, they moralize intrinsic motivation, so they might evaluate you in a negative way. However, if you now try to show intrinsic motivation and appear really passionate about your work, then you might get exploited because people think that you would work for nothing, right? So there is a really interesting tension here um, between passion, intrinsic motivation and exploitation. And I think this tension would be really salient in nonprofit industry where people believe that each other is working for their passion and intrinsic motivation. Yeah, I mean, I think what's so challenging about what you're talking about is that there's a little bit of like a both and, right? I mean, folks who work in the nonprofit sector are known for being underpaid. Nonprofits are often very under-resourced. And so they're, sometimes it's not even, I wouldn't say like they're intrinsic, they have the intrinsic motivation to be doing the work that they're doing, but they also have life needs, right? Like having a living wage yes. and being able to take care. And so I think there's also this perception that there is this like external motivation around 
money that sort of gets conflated in this moral way when it's like, well, the bet like fundraisers are going to do better at their job. They're going to be able to pursue their passions better. And of course they're being driven by intrinsic motivation, but they'll be able to do all that better when they're not stressed about how they're meeting their own basic needs. Yes, that's very true. And here comes the tricky part. So a recent paper found that when people talk about their extrinsic motivation in some sense, a candid way, then, so for example, if I talk about uh, my extrinsic motivation, then people would actually think that that's signaling my lack of intrinsic motivation. Mm. And my research, our research on the moralization of intrinsic motivation also suggests that people who love their work are more likely to consider the work as a must have. And at the same time, they are also more likely to think that working for money and fame is an immoral thing. So somehow mm. people have this idea that loving your work and working for something else, especially some pragmatic concerns, are working at odds, which obviously is not true, right? As you mentioned, we are working for various reasons and we are getting paid to meet our basic needs, right? Yeah. Okay. That's so interesting. And I'm curious then the, the impact that it can have on fundraiser burnout, especially given the emotional nature of nonprofit work. I mean, I feel like, you know, this piece around sort of the moral judgment of why we're doing certain things and the sensitivity that I think a lot of nonprofit leaders hold to acting in moral ways, right? Like so much of why they're doing the work that they're doing is linked to their, their, you know, own belief around their morality, their, their desire to be viewed as making moral decisions. And then I can just imagine like the tension then that they feel and the burnout that they feel when they're kind of have this in the back of their head that like, oh, they have to behave this way because this is what signals that they're driven by passion, but then they're overworking and burning out and all these things. So what do you think the connection around all of that is? Sure. The link between intrinsic motivation and burnout is also very interesting. There is a previous work on calling, which says that people with really high levels of calling, uh, for these people, calling works as a double-edged sword. So these people are really committed to their work and their calling might prevent you from experiencing stress at their work and become more persistent. At the same time, however, people with really high calling are also more more likely to experience burnout because they are so committed to their work and they are potentially sacrificing other important parts of their life, like their family and their friends. And I mentioned some pragmatic concerns. So because of that, they might experience more burnout. And when we also think about the moralization of intrinsic motivation, that moralization of loving your work can actually add one more layer of stress there. So for example, I have a very high intrinsic motivation for teaching. I really love my students. However, it is almost impossible for me to get positive evaluations from my students all the time from all of them. So I will sometimes get some negative evaluations from my students. And what I personally do is I will try to think about some other reasons that I am working and some other reasons this job is important for me. 
So of course, I love my students, but at the same time, teaching is my job duty, and I would like to support my family by working in this profession, and I would like to make my parents proud of them because being a professor is such a prestigious thing in my home country. But when you moralize intrinsic motivation and you feel like you have to love your work all the time, that could be really stressful because you love your work, but for some reason right now your work is not loving you back, but you have mm. to continue loving your work, right? This would be very hard for some people, and I think especially um, people with high levels of intrinsic motivation. Mm. Hi, it's Mallory. I'm so excited to be partnering with my friends at Instill to bring you these episodes all about how we truly enable fundraisers, which include everything from building effective habits to real relationships in order to raise more for your organization. There is so much wisdom in this series, but we know we can't cover everything here. That's why I'm launching a mini course on habit and behavior design for fundraisers specifically. And here's the best part. Instill is sponsoring this course for a year, which means it's 100% free to you. The mini course is launching live on January 25th. To sign up and come live or get the recording, go to MalloryErickson.com backslash habits to sign up. Okay, what's so interesting about what you're talking about is that I think is so important for fundraisers to be thinking about is sometimes their intrinsic motivation is really driven by the impact of the organization, what they're raising money for, but they do have regularly, you know, uncomfortable or non-ideal daily tasks or interactions or things they have to do as fundraisers that they probably don't feel a tremendous amount of intrinsic motivation around because they haven't necessarily connected those behaviors or those actions to their underlying intrinsic motivation to like get the organization funded, right? There's like, there's like, finding the motivation for certain tasks that feel particularly scary or vulnerable where you don't where you aren't thinking about that like bigger picture motivation do you think do you have any suggestions for the, for that piece Yes, that's also interesting. Um, so I think what you are saying is that uh, people might be intrinsically motivated to some part of their work, but we also know that love for work is such a vulnerable thing. So if you are experiencing very frequent rejections from donors, for mm. example, it would be really hard for you to actually maintain your intrinsic motivation. So... I never tell people that intrinsic motivation is a bad thing. So if you love your work, that's a good thing uh, for you. And there was a previous research saying that when you really love your work, that can actually make you become more persistent, even though there mm. are some rejections. And what's helpful here is you trying to remind yourself why um, you love your work and also some pro-social impact your work has on the society. So in mm. that specific paper, um, the author, Adam Grant, um, had some callers from uh, the call center at the University of Michigan. And as you can imagine, these people experience rejections all the time from the donors. So what he did was he um, had a group of fundraisers or callers there to read a letter from students who got scholarship from their effort. And mm. for another group of callers, he made this group of callers to actually meet with the student and talk with them to learn about how the scholarship actually changed these students' lives. 
And as you can imagine, for these people who realized the positive impact, the pro-social impact of their job had um, more persistence and um, higher performance at work. So mm-hmm. I think what would what I would like to emphasize here is the relationship between intrinsic motivation and what we call pro-social motivation. That even though it might be uh, difficult for you to maintain intrinsic motivation all the time, maybe reminding yourself of pro-social motivation and your positive impact in this world help you keep your intrinsic motivation and your persistence at work. I love that. And we've talked on this show before around, you know, keeping notes from beneficiaries or donors like next to your desk, you know, things that help remind you of why you're why you're doing this, because it can be really hard to stay motivated around these really vulnerable tasks that often don't go as planned, that don't feel that great. So I I really love that. I'm curious. So I want to go back to what you were saying before about, um, you know, the way we cast judgment on other people that we view as having intrinsic motivation or, you know, something I hadn't thought about before we started talking, even though we we had talked about through some of this over email is that, you know, there's a lot of feelings about how folks are entering the wor- workforce these days. And I would say there's like some attitude of, resentment in feeling like folks who are coming into the workforce these days are more quote unquote entitled because of the way they're advocating for pay or boundaries, more work-life balance, Mm -hmm. right? Taking care of themselves. And so some of what you're saying is making me think that I actually think there's an entire moral judgment being placed on these new employees and nonprofits from folks who have been in the sector for a long time who have who who never felt the autonomy or permission to take care of themselves in that way sacrifice themselves tremendously and they're making some mm. decisions about the intrinsic motivation of these folks which I actually don't think is correct I think they're just also trying to take care of themselves and they're advocating for these for these pieces and I'm just I'm curious like from a team standpoint and an organizational culture standpoint, how can we make sure that our teams are inclusive and our culture is inclusive of multiple types of motivators, which I think are all important? Yes, that is such an important question. So I am observing that what people are trying to get from their work is changing. So before um, people viewed it as a source of payment or support for their family, and um, they also viewed it as a source of self-expression. But nowadays, the importance of leisure, for example, is also increasing. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what many leaders are observing here. And my suggestion for the leaders, though, is that it would be really important for them to acknowledge and validate multiple types of motivation that people might have. And I have at least two reasons um, this is important. So the first reason is that intrinsic motivation and extrinsic motivation are shaped by cultural backgrounds. So, for example, I am coming from an East Asian country, so I am an international And in my home country, as I mentioned before, some people would love their work and that is a good thing for them. But we do not emphasize love in other people or expect it in other people 
because we put more emphasis on more collectivistic reasons to work, such as, you know, supporting your family, making your parents proud of you. And those are the reasons many students in my home country would choose their job, not just based on whether they like the job or not. So for these people, they may not have strong intrinsic motivation because it is not really natural in their culture. And they may not realize the importance of emphasizing intrinsic motivation in the United States. So if you exclude these people from your mm. organization just because they do not appear as if they love their job, that could be pretty problematic in terms of diversity and inclusion. Mm. And secondly, the same thing applies for people coming from lower socioeconomic background. So intrinsic and extrinsic motivation are also shaped by socioeconomic backgrounds in a sense that people coming from lower socioeconomic backgrounds tend to have lower levels of intrinsic motivation because as children, they did not have enough resources to figure out what they truly like or did not have enough opportunities or they went through financial hardship as children, and that's why they are working for more external factors rather than intrinsic motivation. And what if we tell these people that you do not love your job, you are such bad people, this is not right, right? So that's why I always suggest leaders that even though you feel like your love for work is the reason that you are so successful at your work and you really value your own intrinsic motivation, you might want to be aware that your love for work might shape your attitude and your value judgment of your colleagues and potentially alienate them so that um, if you are aware of this factor, you might be able to validate diverse reasons that people are working and create a more inclusive work environment. Okay. I think that is just such important advice for nonprofit leaders, especially as we do talk about, you know, increasing efforts around diversifying teams and probably something that doesn't get talked about a lot in terms of how our perception of certain things influences our, you know, behaviors and responses and, and things like that. So I think that's so important. I also think it probably decreases, like being externally motivated, extrinsically motivated is not a bad thing. And in fact, like in a lot of other ways, it drives tremendously positive performance. So it's, also making me wonder, like, are we missing this whole, because of this, like, moral assumption that we've placed on motivation, are we missing this whole opportunity to drive increased performance in certain areas in our nonprofits by not embracing other forms of motivation? Sure. I really agree with your point. So I think as people started to put value on intrinsic motivation and because of the tendency that people think that intrinsic motivation work at odds with extrinsic motivation, they are really missing the fact that having multiple types of motivation is natural and often beneficial for organizations. So there is a number of research saying that yes, intrinsic motivation would lead to positive performance but so as extrinsic motivation. And there is a previous research saying that people have the best performance when they have both intrinsic motivation 
and extrinsic motivation at the same time, or intrinsic motivation and pro-social motivation at the same time. And there is another paper that I really like about what they call as family motivation. So this is motivation to work for your family. And what they found in their paper was that people with very strong family motivation can actually work as well as people with very high levels of intrinsic motivation. So they basically found that family motivation can substitute intrinsic motivation in some sense that for people who had lower intrinsic motivation but higher family motivation, they had just as good persistence and performance as people with high intrinsic motivation. Mm. Do you know, did that research include anything about retention? Like how long somebody stayed in a job in, in comparison, those two types of motivation? That research is mainly about performance, but I believe that it would also lead to recruitment and retention as well, that people might feel more included um, and more uh, belonging to their organizations when their leaders really acknowledge diverse aspects in their life. For example, as a PhD student, I was really aspired by my advisor's love for research and teaching. But at the same time, when my advisor was mentioning, you know, her daughters and how she was working hard for her family in her earlier years of career, I think that really felt like this is a safe place for me to be candid about my own motivation to work for my family. And that really liberated me and motivated me in some sense. Yeah, I think that's a really important thing for us to be considering in the nonprofit sector, because I do think that there's also a belief and underlying bias and belief that passion will lead to more to a longer retention of the person, their passion for the mission of the organization, their connection to the mission of the organization. But I think because of what you said before around also the link to burnout, then we don't find that, you know, people think, oh, but I hired this person who's so passionate, who's so motivated around our mission, which then leads to these like higher rates of burnout, they actually aren't retained. And then we're like, wait, but I thought you were so committed to this mission. And that there's really this, this piece here around recognizing, you know, it's so layered, but this is such an important part. I mean, we are seeing folks leave the nonprofit sector in incredibly high numbers. You know, the turnover rate, it's causing so many issues in this sector. And so I think this piece, this conversation around motivation and the inclusivity of different motivators and, you know, decreasing our moral assumptions on folks is just so important to the health of these organizations. Yes. So my advice for leaders would be always do not assume others' motivation because we are quite bad at guessing others' motivation <laughs> and do not evaluate others based on their motivation because we all work for diverse reasons. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Of course. And so, okay. So this, I'm curious, we've talked a lot about like external motivation in terms of, or extrinsic motivation in terms of, you know, pay or family or, you know, things sort of like, um, that impact our life outside of work. But I'm also curious about the motivation inspired by positive reinforcement and recognition inside organizations. And, you know, sometimes recognition in some forms 
comes comes bonuses, although that's more rare in the nonprofit sector. Sometimes it's more, you know, naming or kind of public recognition. Can you talk about the role that that plays in this whole conversation and how we should be thinking about this? Because I also think this is a place where like people both for themselves and for others really don't value giving a ton of positive feedback or they don't prioritize it. And I think that's also having an impact. So talk to me about how you how you look at that piece of it. Sure. So the relationship between intrinsic motivation and recognition is actually very interesting because there is a popular crowd out, crowding out effect that we are all aware of that when people have high intrinsic motivation and we start to give these people either payment or um, positive recognition, it will actually decrease their intrinsic motivation because now these people mm-hmm. think that, oh, wait, I thought that I am working because I wanted to work, but now that you are paying me, now I feel like I am working because of this payment. So Mm. there is that crowding out effect piece. But at the same time, we also know that people tend to have high intrinsic motivation at something that they are good at, which means that they got some sort of positive recognition there. Mm. Um, And based on my knowledge, our understanding here is that positive recognition can increase intrinsic motivation. But when the feedback is unexpected. So people do not feel like, oh, the other party is somehow acting manipulatively to uh, increase my performance or something else. Um, Rather than that, when people feel like this is a genuine recognition, it is more likely to increase people's intrinsic motivation. Okay, so interesting. I think there's so much for folks to to be thinking about there too. I studied under Dr. B.J. Fogg around habit and behavior design, and he talks a lot about shine in in terms of how to reinforce different habits and behaviors. And I think the thing I when I talk about shine, you know, people are like, "Well, like that's my job, you know," or I shouldn't need to celebrate the fact that I did that simple thing. And I, I think recognizing that acknowledgement and and praise self praise or you know feedback for other people plays an important role in you know what we do and and how we take action in the future uh, is really and important and that's interesting i hadn't really considered people thinking it would ultimately decrease intrinsic motivation um, to be doing more of those things. So I really appreciate that. Is there anything I haven't asked you that I should have asked you? Yes. Another thing that actually uh, comes to my mind is that you can also give positive recognition to people in a way that you emphasize their pro-social impact. Because Mm. as I mentioned, when people uh, really tie their pro-social and intrinsic motivation, there's where we see this fire. So you can say something like, you did this to me and that really made my day, or um, you are doing this and that's really making some positive impact. So as you can mention, I also keep the cards uh, from my students. So um, people in this nonprofit sector can really keep those uh, positive moments in their email inbox, um, in their office, or in their workplace. Mm, amazing. Tell folks where they could um, go to learn more about your research and you um, and connect if you're interested. I'm so grateful uh, for this conversation and for sharing all of your wisdom with us today. 
Sure. Thank you so much for inviting me today. It was my pleasure. If you would like to learn more about my research, you can visit my personal website, mijongkwan.com. That's my full name.com. Or you can find my profile at the University of Colorado Denver Business School website under management department. Amazing. And we'll make sure all of those links are below as well. Thank you so much. Thank you. As a donor and as a, so I actually really wanted to say this. <laughs> so I'm going to edit right now. Um, yeah. As a longtime donor of a humane society where I adopted my three cats, it, it is oh. my great pleasure to be here. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. You I love to include this, but <laughs> no, that it's so important. I mean, the nonprofit sector impacts everybody and touches everybody in such important ways. And um, so I love hearing about an organization that you love, and I'm so grateful that you shared it. Thank you. Awesome. I hope today's episode inspired or challenged you to think differently. For additional takeaways, tips, show notes, and more about our amazing guests and sponsors, head on over to MalloryErickson.com backslash podcast. And if you didn't know, hosting this podcast isn't the only thing I do. Every day I coach, guide, and help fundraisers and leaders just like you inside of my program, The Power Partners Formula Collective. Inside the program, I share my methods, tools, and experiences that have helped me fundraise millions of dollars and feel good about myself in the process. To learn more about how I can help you, visit MalloryErickson.com backslash power partners. Last but not least, if you enjoyed this episode, I'd love to encourage you to share it with a friend you know would benefit or leave a review. I'm so grateful for all of you and the good hard work you're doing to make our world a better place. I can't wait to see you in the next episode. Hey you, I hope you're loving all the free value you're getting right now from our guest. And speaking of free value, I've raised millions in the nonprofit space without sacrificing my integrity or my alignment. And I'm sharing how I did it in my free webinar, how to harness the power of prioritization to raise more without burning out. Go to MalloryErickson.com backslash workshop to register for the free training right now. I cannot wait to see you there.